Okay, everybody, you guys online and everybody here, grab your Bibles. Everybody needs a Bible. If you don't have one, maybe you can grab one uh, on your phone. Everybody grab the Bible. And if you will, if you're here in the room, you guys that are with us online, you can stand as well. But go ahead and stand. We are going to read from Ephesians 2. We're going to finish out um, the piece of text that we really didn't get to finish last week. But we're going to stand and read this together. Ephesians 2, I'm going to pray for us. And then we'll jump in. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now work, uh, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and, and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in it. God, I pray that there would be fresh unfolding of who you are and what you want to do in our lives. I pray there would be this beautiful partnership that we have with you and your purposes. We ask that you would speak to us today because you're good and because we need it. We've come to you for the life. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So just want to, I'm going to recap really briefly, but last week we were called in to a confidence in Christ uh, in an age where there's not a lot. So uh, we mentioned it a couple times this morning, but just want to say it again. If this, if this letter were being written, I, I think that we could, we could celebrate the magnitude of a letter like this because what this letter to this church is going to say over and over and over again is, Here's what it means to be certain in an age of uncertainty. This is what it means to be anchored in a world where nothing is anchored. And that's ultimately the, the crux, the feel, the attitude with which this letter's being written to his people. So if you feel like you're in this moment and you're like, I feel like I'm, been, I'm dangling by a thread, which so many people are, even just emotional, like, hey, your job might be good, everything else might be okay, but you can look at the world around you and feel like things are hanging on by like a shoestring. And what we have here is Jesus saying, everything looks like it might be dangling, but I'm asking you and I'm calling you 
to come up at a greater level. Now, um, I love the, uh, the advent of the drone. You guys, uh, you guys know what a drone is. Well, drone, first of all, when, we, when, when you first thought about drones, it, I mean, the, the name drone felt like uh, some bad robot that was out to kill us. That's kind of basically what I thought drones were for a long time. I think I may, maybe conflated drone with droid. I don't know. It's a little bit of Star Wars in here. I'm not sure. All I know is that drones were like things that I think were going to try to kill humanity. And that might still be a true thing. But for now, drones are really, really cool because what they do is they go way up high and they show you perspectives that you had never seen before. And we thank God for this. Of course, if you go up even further, if you go past drones, you get into satellites. And satellites show us viewpoints of things that we could never see before. And we all know this because we've all at one point in time or another gotten sucked into hours on Google Earth, right? Hours, just like, this is like, where, oh, let me look at my house. And then you're like, okay, Google Earth, show me Grammy's house. And then it flies over, right? And then it goes on top of Grammy's house. And you're like, I had no idea that this, there was this thing back there. And, you know, and you're like, well, so wait, if, if we shift Grammy's house around from there, we can see like Uncle Rico or whoever else's house. And you just spend all this time and you're getting all this new perspective. And then you're like, show me the pyramids. And you're like, I can see all of these things and I'm moving around and I'm getting this new perspective and I'm getting this new understanding of the world around me. This is what Jesus is doing by the Holy Spirit in this letter because he's saying, listen, you used to live down here among the dungeon dwellers broken in sin, but Christ, he says he came in, he made you alive by pulling you up out of the grave, but then he didn't just pull us up out of the grave, but then he goes, he pulls us up and he seats us in heavenly places, to which I believe he's actually saying, I have new ways for you to see life. I've got new perspective for you to come into. Because when you and I come up into heavenly places and we're seated with Christ, we're starting to see life from a different viewpoint, a different reality. It goes far beyond the great drones or satellites of life. This is this moment to go, God, everything else can be a dumpster fire. I'm sitting with you in the heavenly places, seeing who you are and what you're doing. My job might not be very solid right now. You're inviting me to come up and trust you and see things from a different place and have to trust you in new ways that I did not think possible. This is the call. Raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. Listen, it's not just a position it comes with total access to his heart. You understand when it says raised us up and seated with him in heavenly places. It isn't just like God trying to play smoke and mirrors for us to feel good about our lives somehow. What he's saying is I have something to give to you here. When, when you sit on the throne, you have new perspectives and insights into your own life, into the lives of everyone around you. 
You start to see things from a different perspective. You start to understand the nature of relationships and the reason that you have the job you do and all these other things. Like everything, new perspective and new insight comes from this place of being seated with him because guess what? You don't function as a, a cellar dweller anymore. You're functioning as kings and queens. You are the royalty of the king of the universe, all right? So there's something new that he wants to give to each one of us. Now, this is incredibly important because this is the certainty the world is desperate for. In a world that is uncertain, where nothing could be stood on with any amount of certainty, this is the one place of certainty. And what we're going to see here is that God's looking and the purpose and the design of pulling you and me up into heavenly places and giving us new perspective is because we are forever meant to display the certain, beautiful majesty of God forever. This is the point. And so he's going to say, listen, first things first, anchor yourself in Christ. Anchor your reality in Christ. And then we get to ask, of course, ask the question, okay, Lord, why have you done these things? And this is why it's so important. Look at verse seven. So he says, listen, we'll just back up. Right? We have made us alive by grace you've been saved, verse 5, verse 6, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places, meaning he's given us fresh and new perspective to see our lives in a, in a different light, to understand and see things from a different perspective. Why has he done this? Now, this is important. So, that, so when the scripture here says, so that, or therefore, it's, he's just saying, because of the thing that just happened, here's why I did it. So that all of this is purposed for this. What's the purpose of it all? Here's the answer. Have you ever asked the question, why would God take a measly person like me and pull me up out of the dungeon when I was so awful and I'd done all these things and I'd been you know, rebellious in these ways and turned my heart in these ways and felt completely kind of indifferent to the Lord? We've all had those moments. We've all had those seasons he says, why on earth would you do that? Why would you make me a son or that? Why would you make me a king or a queen? Why would you make me a co-heir? Why on earth? I've never done anything to deserve it. It's clear from the text. Why would you do that? He says, I know why. I'm going to tell you why. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. Listen to me. I believe one of the greatest revelations we will have when we come up and we get to finally see Jesus face to face, we will be 100% fully undone by seeing the riches of the kindness of God throughout human history. The world's looking at it now going, oh, I, 
man, everything's, you know, nothing's good. Uh, you know, we live in this selfish world where everything, we view everything in light of what is it doing for me or how does this affect me? We're going to come up in him and we're going to go, we had no idea. We'll be doubled over in awe of the massive riches of the kindness of God, the unfolding, the unveiling. In fact, I think eternally will be wave after wave of the kindness and the goodness of Jesus. Just be totally undone and fascinated watching God show mercy and goodness in places where it was never, it, it, no one ever deserved it, and yet he gave it. He gave it. And we have felt that, right? We've felt those moments. Have you, we've been in those places where we go, I don't deserve grace, and I don't deserve the throne, and I don't deserve to be seated with him. And what God is saying is, that's the point. That's the point for all of human history. Not one person across the globe has ever deserved it, but he's just pulling people up to say, this is who you are, and this is what I do across the earth. I want to show the riches of my grace and mercy that you are the display of my kindness forever. So live in it, meaning every one of us is called to be agents of, of his kindness. Let's say that again. Every one of us is meant to be an agent of his kindness, to be a display of his kindness. So the question then becomes, well, how, how, how do we become agents of his kindness? In this moment, where the world is desperate to see something certain, and the answer is the certainty in Christ that we have, then how do we become Agents of that certainty, agents of the kindness and the goodness of God. I just have a few, have a few things, and then we're literally going to be done. I feel like these services go so fast. I might just be way too enthralled in my own preaching, but listen to me, okay? How, so how? How do we become agents of the kindness of God? In this age of uncertainty, the only thing that's going to be certain is the Son of God, and we're the ones who get to carry it. How do we do that? Number one. Show mercy, show mercy, even when it's not deserved, right? In the age of cancel culture, okay, where literally if you have ever done anything bad at any point in time in your life, you're totally canceled, right? This is, this is the thought process of the, of the Western mindset at this moment. If you've ever had one weak moment, you've ever done one thing wrong, what is the world doing right now? You're canceled, you're out, you're totally over. It's, it's over for you. Doesn't matter, uh, doesn't matter if you're a liberal. It doesn't matter if you're conservative. We find someone who hasn't done something right at some point in time in their life, which is, oh, by the way, all of humanity. But we find, the, we find that person, and we, what do we say? You're canceled. You're out. You're totally, you're, you can't serve. You're, this is what the world is saying right now. It is literally the opposite of a God who's saying, you were to so totally broken, didn't deserve mercy and goodness, but even when you were dead, I made you alive because I just love you. So you and I want to be agents of 
kindness, then we come against the cancel culture and we show mercy and we speak life. Where everyone else is canceling out and speaking death, we become the agents of the mercy of God and we bless others. We don't join in with a cancel culture, but we choose to come and we choose to forgive. Listen to me, the people of Jesus are people who forgive. Now you need to hear this. I don't mean live, I don't, listen, forgiveness is the call on every one of our lives. And our ability to forgive is directly proportional to how much we really believe we've been forgiven here in Ephesians 2. If you don't believe that you were dead in a casket and God raised you up, and brought you up and seated you, that I can guarantee you this, when someone comes and hurts your feelings, you're gonna have a real hard time giving mercy and kindness and showing forgiveness when someone has wronged you if you, feel, if you don't believe that you first weren't raised up out of a casket and made alive when you were dead. We were all in that place and the Lord changed, totally changed and transformed our lives When someone comes at you and accuses you of being less than or someone tells you that you're worthless or somebody's consistently sought to make you feel small, listen to me. If you come up with Jesus in heavenly places and you sit on the throne, then the words of the enemy, whether it's through someone in this life or whether it's just the voice of the enemy over you, listen, that becomes petty and small. You can stand up in the confidence of God and say, I'm not going to allow those things, those broken things to pull me down, but I'm gonna sit and I speak words of life and I forgive. I become an agent of grace. Doesn't mean you have to submit. Someone's abusive or someone's mean spirit doesn't mean you have to trust, doesn't mean you have to walk in deep relationship, but what it means is you come up with the Lord and you speak and you forgive and you come up with him. If Christ who is able to forgive the one who had never done any wrong, able to forgive, then he calls us into that same place. We'll have this cosmic battle going on, constantly trying to hold control and keep our own in the Lord, saying, I want you to be an agent of grace and be an agent of mercy and be an agent of kindness. This is the certainty the world's looking for. The world's looking to cancel things out and the Lord's calling us to say, I give mercy, I show mercy. Second, we've got to, we confess who we are. You confess who you are. So, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You guys can come up. We'll just f- finish out quickly here. Listen, when, by the way, when Paul is talking about boasting, what he's, so, uh, Ancient boasting was this. This is what they would do. They'd go, we got 5,000 spears. They only got 2,000 spears. Or when they go, we, our army is 10,000 strong. And so what they would do is boasting was like, hey, our army's bigger than your army. This was what their boasting was. We've got all this, and this is what you have. And we're gonna, we can come against you. That was their form of boasting was like, hey, this is where our confidence is. 
we're going to destroy them. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, well, our spears are bigger than theirs. And we're, you know, our, we have more chariots than them. And this was their boasting that they did. That was, and so what Paul says is he looks at them and he goes, listen, no more boasting, meaning there's no more you going, I got all these things. I got all this stuff. My certainty is in any of the things that I have in this life. Saying, absolutely no way. He says, listen, there's be, there'll be no more boasting, but here's, here's the boast. My Savior and my King has saved me. And I'm boasting in Him. And it turns it around. Like the whole world's looking to try to say, hey, here's what I'm setting my feet on. We're not looking to the, the, the spears and the chariots of our lives. We're looking now and saying, listen, I'm not boasting anything. Here's my confession. My God has saved me. Here's my new, my confession is, right? I'm raised with Christ and seated with him in every heavenly places. Listen to me. Each and every day, if you find yourself falling up under the weight of what the crumbling world around you, you wake up and say, here's my confession. Here's what I boast in. I have been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. That's my new boast. And finally, we'll finish with this. You guys can stand with me. We'll just finish this morning. Is that the, the, the Lord has called us to become poetry to someone. What do I mean by that? What the scripture says here is verse 10. You are his workmanship. Poema. You're his poetry created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen, you were meant to be real, right? What is, uh, what is poetry? It's just a real, authentic declaration, right? Poetry is like, I'm sharing what's happening here. The Lord said, hey, you live real and authentic and show the goodness of the Lord. You don't have to try to act like you are somebody that you're not. You just point, continue to point people to the Lord. Say, Lord, I am the poetry of God. I, the reason I'm a beautiful poem, I, the reason I am the workmanship of God is not because of anything I've done, but because of what he's accomplished in me. So I'm real and I'm authentic with the community around me. It doesn't mean you have to bear your soul to every person you've ever known, but it does mean it's time for us to be real about who we were apart from Christ and what he has done in our lives. And that testimony is life-changing. That testimony changes and transforms people's lives. Father, I ask that you would give us grace to be poetry, to be a declaration of your kindness and mercy, to be ones who don't go along with the cancel culture, but Lord, those who stand and just say, Lord, your life in me. We don't boast in anything but the fact that you have made us whole and new. And we put our lives on this truth. We anchor ourselves and we walk out of this room. We walk out of our homes believing in the goodness, the mercy, the kindness of God. And we become agents of the kindness of Christ wherever we go. Let me sing this.